0: getting to a certain level and having a job title is gonna be hollow unless you really love the people you're working with, you love the, the mission of the company that you're working for. There has got to be other things that really are the glue that hold you there more so than just the title and the financial rewards.
1: Hello and welcome to the Talking Leaders podcast. This is season two, conversations about promotion. Deborah Lippman-Gosch is a senior HR professional with an extensive career in the field. Coming from HR, Deb has a well-rounded perspective on the topic of promotion. In this conversation, which is an extract from a much longer discussion we had, we concentrated upon her personal experiences of being promoted. Things to listen out for? How Deb's reasons for seeking promotion have changed over time? Why she turned down a promotion? The negative effects being promoted can have on relationships with colleagues and friends. Plus, her excellent advice on how to make a success of going for a promotion. I started off by asking Deb if she recalled the first time she was promoted.
0: I can, yes. I have to be honest with you. My desire to be promoted was more out of financial need. I was recently divorced and had a three-year-old son that I was raising on my own as a single mother. So my ability to take good care of us and uh, have financial means to so put a roof over our heads and give him the basics and maybe a little bit more than the basics was really important to me. So that was a huge driver for me. I know that different people are motivated by different things, but you know, for me, I had, had him and I was kind of you know, um, fighting for both of us, so to speak.
1: Mm. But you said that with a certain amount of reticence, do you think it's a bad thing to want to be promoted to get more money and greater benefits?
0: I think if that is your only, you know, it may be one of the top three, but if it's your only motivator, once you make more money, then you're going to want more money and you're never really satisfied. So I think when you think about what is the intrinsic satisfaction you get from what you do, in my mind, it has to be beyond the financial rewards of what you're doing.
1: So, as time went on then, and you you maybe went after other promotions, do you think your motivations shifted a bit?
0: Well, then, from there, I started chasing title. Job title was extremely important to me. And you know, similar to money, getting to a certain level and having a job title is going to be hollow unless you really love the people you're working with. you love the the mission of the company that you're working for. There has got to be other things that really are the glue that hold you there more so than just the title and the financial rewards. Mm. And I've come to learn that over, over the years. And in fact, I've kind of peaked out with the title and title is not so important to me, but again, it's, those other things. It's really important to me is perhaps my manager who I report to, you know, what, what is their mission and how, how are they, their mission and values? And how does that align with the company? very important that I work for a company that I can wake up in the morning and feel really good about. It's For me, it's not just making widgets. It's rather, you know, who are we helping? Who can we help? What are we doing? What's our mission as a company? And I love working globally as well. I think that interaction with people beyond America has really opened me up opened my eyes so much. So I really value that as well.
1: Mm. Let's go back a little bit to what you were saying about chasing title. I love that way of describing it can you remember then what was it about title that was seductive
0: for me it it was a tangible way of seeing progression so by having that title that meant you were stepping up the ladder and then i have to i'll be honest with you it was also looking around at my peer group and figuring out well gee are they behind me are they ahead of me and rather than trying to just manage my career for myself, it was really about comparison. And then you will always do better than some and do not as well as others. And it's going to leave you with a lot of dissatisfaction. So I've, I've come to believe, try to stay as best as I can in my own swim lane and do just be the best Deva I can be, you know, and, and put the blinders on that. Oh, my peer group, we were, we worked together in this company and now they're VP of this,
1: organization.
0: Well, I'm just a little measly HR business partner. I have to kind of block that out because that's sort of my natural tendency.
1: Mm. Was it ever also important for uh, your image with people outside of work?
0: I think to a certain degree. I think it was, yes. Mm -hmm. Like your profile on LinkedIn, even when you go for other positions. So for example, in 2015, at the end of 2015, when my job came to closure and I was back in the job market, often recruiters will look to see your career progression. And did you stay in one, one company too long? Do you stay in one position too long? It almost became the opposite that rather than loyalty to a company, making those transitions for the right reasons became more marketable. And my resume didn't demonstrate that. It was one company for 14 years, another company for 15 years, very loyal. Although I did m- many different things within those companies, from an external lens, it looked as though your your long service, you you, know, you work the same two companies for hmm. your whole career, so it, it was less marketable.
1: So I mean, I'm hearing you say that that title has value. It's it it, it it's useful. It's not as though you know it, it's of no value and and completely uh, hollow. But it has it has some some worth and some value, but, but maybe not over over rely on it.
0: Uh, that's absolutely true. And what's interesting, too, is that different industries. they the way they have career ladders and titling is different. You've probably heard in the banking industry, the vice president. Vice president title is a throwaway. Many people have the title of vice president. And you compare what that is in banking versus pharmaceuticals, where it's very difficult to get to the BP level in other industries. So hmm. it's not always apples for apples. Also, titling could be very com- confusing. Yeah. Even how they how different companies use the title HR business partner. Some are more like a generalist. Some are more business focused. So that can vary. So there, so titles are deceiving.
1: Hmm. Have you ever turned down a uh, promotion, Deb? And if so, why?
0: I have, yes. And actually, the reason I turned it down was because of the person who um, wanted to promote me. She was emotionally unstable, at and I recognized that. So I had worked with her on a team and uh, she had a need and said, I really would like for you to work for me. But I had some insight concerning her emotional instability. She was having actually um, an extramarital affair with the financial controller, even though she was married and had a couple of children. So she was just a real hot mess. And I felt that she was, by putting me in that role, she was going to be, using me as more of a friend confidant and it really would not have been a good situation so yes I turned that down.
1: And were you tempted at all or was it an immediate decision?
0: I was slightly tempted it was in a bit of a different direction and actually I saw a career progression so that made it challenging uh, to turn down but I looked at the looked at it in totality and I'm I think I made the right decision and I, I know I made the right decision.
1: Oh, good. all well, that, oh, the pretty... red
0: flashing lights danger.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Different people have, have different challenges when they go for promotion. And in particular, there are certain people from, let's say, certain groups who certainly have come across greater barriers to being promoted uh, than maybe others have. Have you ever had that experience feeling that because you're female, for example, that that was a, 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 an extra challenge?
0: I would say that my challenges were more age-related. So I started, I was considered myself a late bloomer. I didn't start going to university till I was 35 and then got my undergraduate degree at 40, got my graduate degree at 42. So I actually started my HR career very late in life. Being in HR, I also have the opportunity to participate in talent review meetings. I I actually facilitate that. So right now I don't have a staff that reports to me. I'm an individual contributor. However, I participate and make hiring decisions about others and, um, their career trajectory and credibility, et cetera, et cetera. And you'll often hear that person doesn't have a lot of runway. Like they're determining how much longer you're going to be part of the workforce and why would we invest in a person who doesn't have enough runway and how could they get inside of that person's head to know how long that person wants to work may financially need to work um, may need to work for psychological reasons or whatever they like the social interaction so there are different motivators but rather than looking at is this the best candidate for this position they're making decisions based on age and that's where i would love for there to be a more blind or blinder type way of looking at candidate, so that gender and race National origin, even um, sexual orientation; those things do not come into the equation. Hmm. But we're humans, and often they do come into the decision-making process.
1: Do you feel that any of those things, and, and you, you started off with age, were factors in uh, preventing you moving ahead or or uh, getting a position you you would have liked?
0: I think I probably felt it most when I was back in the marketplace after twenty fifteen had quite a few interviews, phone screens, and then it's almost like you get to the altar and then you don't get married. You know, you like kind of brought through the process, multiple, you know, multi pronged process, and then when you get there and then you're not the one that gets the role. And while I don't know it for a fact, I have a hunch that may have been age-related and maybe it's age, not necessarily chronological age, but rather maybe I represent beliefs that are old school. Maybe I you know, maybe there's something in my makeup because who, you know, how you've come up it's part of who, the fabric of who you are. So maybe the way I responded to questions was in such a way that seemed old school thinking. So maybe it's not necessarily, oh, she's X number of years old, but rather doesn't quite fit into our culture because she's not a certain way. Not hip, Google, hip that kind of thing.
1: Right. Right. I mean it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I, I imagine in many situations it's, it's it's almost impossible to be sure unless you overhear somebody saying, "Well, we can't take her because she's too old," which you're never going to hear that. But the data, the statistics are clear. You know, when you all the, all the things I listed, I mean, sexual orientation, race, gender, age it, it's it's quite clear that they are there are factors. But you're left, I guess, you're sort of left wondering, really, aren't you, about what well, was it that? And-
0: I try not to be too paranoid about it. And I just get up the next, I would, I would get up the next day and just go at it again and just say, the, when it's the right chemistry, it will happen. It will happen, you'll meet the right company, they'll meet you, you'll be just perfect for that role. And I found that in International SOS, but it wasn't easy, it wasn't like the first job I went for. And maybe others have an easier time landing positions. Um, that was never, for me, I usually had a, <laughs> Worked pretty hard to get the positions that I that I got, but um, but then I usually I usually say and it's just how it happens for me.
1: Did Did you find yourself sort of attenuating the, the your, your application or the way you spoke in interview in order to sort of overcome your perception that that the age might be a problem? Yeah,
0: you know, there's just so many things going through your head when you're a candidate and you're sitting across the desk from a decision maker, and you know, trying to strike that balance between being scripted, you know, you go through the book and these are all the kind of general being an HR person, I know what kind of questions I ask a candidate. So I have the benefit of uh, being an HR person to, you know, where do you want to be in five years? And those kind of questions that you get asked in an interview. So, um, trying to balance being overly prepared and scripted, these a the just being genuine and just feeling confident. I have a ton of experience. I, I have something to share. I have a story to tell you, you know, I, be, I, I, I want to listen and understand what your business model is. I'm, I'm all ears, but then I have things in my toolkit. I've done this. I've done things before that may be applicable. And and these are how I think I might be able to help you. So am mm-hmm. making that, that shift. So that it's not, I'm showing up and all buttoned down or buttoned up with, um, predetermined almost like I'm reading from a teleprompter, what my answers are trying to push that out and just be genuine, listen to the question, see how I can how I can add value. And if, mm. and if it res- if you connect that person, if it resonates, then you're somewhere. You've you've made made progress. That that was a good day. That was a good interview. Right. Right.
1: So just taking about I'll give I'm giving you a time machine. And so you can go back and talk to yourself at various stages. What advice would you give yourself as you've moved through your career, you could have played things differently
0: i think earlier in my career i would have probably taken more risks and moved companies a bit more um i think i was just too concerned about raising a three-year-old son and having that stability and making sure we had health care roof over our head i had a good had a good job i worked for smith klein Beecham, which became gsk they were good to me they were paying for my education I was going to, like I said, University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. I was getting an Ivy League education on their dime. Wow. So as long as they that continued, there was no reason for me to leave. But maybe there should have been a, an inflection point where considering other industries, other companies, other possibilities, I may have been able to get perhaps further in a more senior position at this point in my life. So that's probably something I would have considered. but. Yeah, I made the decisions at the time. It was was good. It was stable. It was, I love the people I worked with. The mission was great. You know, it was a country club. I mean, (laughs) I look at other places where people work, the horrible conditions, I mean, meat packing plants and other horrible, horrible conditions. Who was I to complain? I I made a a nice salary, had good bonus, good stock. good everything. (laughs) And I went from there to AstraZeneca and you know how good AstraZeneca was. So that's like the, Epitome. So, where do you go from there?
1: Mm, mm. It's an interesting point you raise. This idea of moving to get promotion, um, and and you know, I have I've seen lots of examples of people who did progress significantly. I mean, there's one person in particular I remember who started out as a as a, um, a secretary, admin assistant, and that she left and came back to the company at least twice and possibly three times, and. By the by, the time she left the company, she was VP, and she was absolutely convinced that there was no way that was ever going to happen if she'd stayed in the organization. Do you think? Do you have you come across that that phenomenon of you're never going to get very far or if you stay? You have to you have to move on.
0: Yes, because in particular when you're working in an organization, they have it's almost like people sort. People, you know, you're going to be high potential. You're a steady Eddie, you're a low performer. It is just so hard to break that mold in the existing structure. The the ways that can happen within an organization is, is let's say there's a merger or an acquisition where you're working with some new people who may see you a bit differently, but in that construct, it's almost like you get the nine box and you're in a box and that's where, where you stay. And also. If you know, financial rewards is what you're looking for. If you're not getting promoted and you're just getting the you know, two or 3% merit increase each year, you're not going to go places. However, if you have a job, but then you are lured by an executive recruiter to go someplace else. And, and if the new company is really hungry for you to go working there, then you can um, negotiate new terms and conditions. And so you're getting promotion, you're making a bit more money and you just start to build there. Um, and at some point you've amassed enough experiences that you become marketable. And maybe even as this person did their former company found them attractive because she had amassed these variety of experiences that now we're going to be adding and benefiting, but she would not have gotten those experiences just staying, you know, within the company. So she was bold. She took risks. And I'm sure not every single job that where she went to was happy or pleasant. It's, it's not easy to meet a new set of colleagues and tap dance to a new boss and understand the new norms in a company. And who's your friend? Who's your foe? Where's your competition? That's, that's very stressful. Hmm. So for someone to do that multiple times, that, there is risk there. And Not everything always turns out great.
1: Do you think there's also a risk that you, you, know, you appear to be a bit of a carpetbagger?
0: Uh, I, I think so. I think so. But I think <laughs> this person you just mentioned probably found that the rewards of doing it her way were much greater than someone thinking she's a carpet bagger.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about this the learning curve then. So can you describe to me a time then when you, you found, okay, you got the promotion, that's great, the champagne was cleared away and then, whoa, this is tough.
0: Yes. I think uh, the best example of that was when I was promoted, I was a, a a peer of a group of people and they needed someone to manage the team. And I was, I, some of my peers also interviewed for it, but I was selected. I think being promoted amongst your peers and then becoming their manager is one of the hardest jobs ever. I think also in that situation, there wasn't a good, um, I guess blueprint for what that what the accountability for that position would be. So for example, in that situation, I no longer had clients I was responsible for. So in HR, we are usually deployed out to a client group. So whether it's the physicians or other other departments, when I became the manager, my day job was really to manage these individuals and help them to grow their career. But in a very flat organization, The only position for them was my job and I was the incumbent. So it created a lot of churn and chaos. And, um, you know, I would have to say probably a year and a half later, the design of that structure was changed. And then I moved into a different position, but it just wasn't. Terrifically teed up for success. However, I was chasing the title and in this, that particular opportunity, I would become the director. And I thought my peers would kind of be sad. They didn't get it, but happy for me that I got it. And it was just, they were sad they didn't get it and felt they should have gotten it. So there were a lot of sour grapes and they didn't, they weren't very cooperative in helping me to be successful in the role either. So can you,
1: can you share any examples of, of how they weren't cooperative and how it, how it affected your relationship?
0: Um, I actually had some, li- there were some lies actually. So Um, going directly to my manager to say something occurred, which wasn't true. And I guess I'll give the credit to say that maybe it was as a different interpretation of, of, of facts, but an example might be myself. And one of my direct reports, we were sent to go to a, a professional association for two days to learn some new things. So she accompanied me. And when we got there, we looked at the agenda and there were parallel tracks. And we discussed, there are some things, some, um, sessions you'll well, you do these sessions and I'll do those sessions. So this way we'll get a fuller part of the entire agenda. If we both attend all the sessions together, there won't be new learnings. And then we can bring the learnings back together and, and then come back and bring it back to the team made sense to me. She agreed to it. Then we got back, she told my manager, that we went there and that she hardly saw me. Meanwhile, I met her for lunch, I met her for dinner, but that we were on different tracks. But we had the agreement that we would do this because it'd be for the greater benefit to get the most of the of the conference.
1: So what what, what was so what was the implication of, of not seeing you? That you weren't you weren't actually there? You were what you were shopping or what? The
0: fact that we were there together, but that <laughs> I didn't spend any time with her. Yeah. So then, and then she went back to the man, to the the VP and it made me look really bad. So and it, to me, it was just, it was a flat lie. And, and she was, she had done other things with other people. So this was not a unique situation. It just was how she rolled, so to speak. But it was those dirty things that I call them dirty that um, made it not a very happy experience for me. So yes, I got the director title, but it was, it was miserable and the team was just,
1: I don't know how did that experience then of knowing getting a promotion can affect the relationship that you have maybe even personal relationships you have with with colleagues and co-workers how did that affect how you thought about promotion and position thereafter
0: you know it goes back to what i said earlier paul and that is really thinking through what it's what it is that you're going for and what will the day like what will it feel like day to day like trying to get try to envision it the best you can about what it is you're going for. What's day to day going to be like how others may respond around you. And this is something that you really want. Like I was chasing a title. And I felt I had gads of experience. I had something to offer and they would all fall in line and they didn't all fall in line. They all revolted, And it was really uncomfortable and, and pretty miserable despite however, nice I tried to be, how much I promoted one person from this, you know, like uh, on the career ladder. She went from an entry level to, you know, the next level on the ladder. Good performance ratings for the team where I could like not, not out of line, but reasonable, but doing the best I could to get them good merit increases. No matter what I thought I could do to be good, I tried to do and it didn't matter. Nothing I did mattered. They just didn't want me in it. And Mm. it was really miserable. And I would find myself often having to defend myself to my, my VP. When he would say, I got this piece of feedback and I would say, "What? this this is how, in my perspective, this is how it happened. Not like that. It was not a situation that was set for success. So again, rather than chase chase the title, understand what you're getting into, put the title to the side, understand, talk to the hiring manager, explore as much as you can. Was there, is this new terrain or was there an incumbent and why the incumbent lead? You know, so do as much research as you can because if you're just chasing the title, then it, yeah, you get that on your resume. But boy, it was pretty bitter—a bitter pill.
1: The, the, that's good advice, and people, if for people who are considering um, a promotion, is to, to to check out those those kind of things. I really like that that list you've got there. So just carrying that on a bit f- further in terms of of advice to people, then what would you say would be good things to think about? If you, you know, if you want to be promoted let's give you the top three things that you need to be thinking about that will enhance your likelihood of getting promoted
0: do the best job you can in the job that you're in and that's kind of a, jo- a general balance because if you do so well and you have such a niche then you could be you could be pigeonholed but you want to do a fantastic job such that there's buzz about you there's buzz about you so if there's a talent review people around the, the table who are decision making capacities have really great tangible things to say about you so do a great job in what you're currently doing try to think outside the box look for problems that you that exist and what are the solutions So not just about identifying the problems but where can you help where can you add value work rather it's not about calling the baby ugly but rather saying look i i see that this this process seems a bit broken. I have some ideas, how that can be fixed. Can I share them with you and, and and how that can happen? And then also while you're doing that, try to explore as best you can about what might be next and start to visualize yourself in that new position such that when the time comes, you've already kind of thought it through, you visualized it, and it won't be a shock to the system on day one because you started, thinking like you were already in that position. So for example, I report to the VP of HR and if I wanted to go for her job one day, when that job turns over, I have to start thinking about, if I were the VP of HR, how might I do that? How might I structure the team or respond to the COVID crisis and how we are going to be remotely working or not start to try your chops out, You know, develop that muscle. So then when the time comes, it's not new terrain for you. You've already thought about it at that more senior level. And it also gives you a better appreciation for your boss and what it's like to walk in her moccasins, walk in her shoes. And um, cause a lot of the decision-making is not easy, particularly in this environment. So try it out. What would I do? What would, what would Paul do? What would Deb do, <laughs> you know, in that type of situation?
1: A big, big thank you to Deb for taking the time to talk with me and for sharing her stories and valuable advice. One last thing to say, as with all of the interviewees in this season, the views and opinions expressed by Deborah are her own and are not given as a representation of the stance or view of any current or former employer. I'm Paul Gisby from Talking Leaders. We help leaders who want to get heard, be understood and build trust. Goodbye.